Hey everybody, it's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss. The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. It is Monday, September 11th, 2023. This is another edition of Football Today. That is Bobby Skinner. You know him from the Talking Giants world. I am Chris Rose, producer Mikey, along for the ride as well, as we have arrived safely at the conclusion of week number one of the NFL season. I'm always curious how people digest their football, because I'm busy at NFL Network, watching with all my producers and directors and analysts and the whole bit. What do you do on a typical Sunday? Well, luckily... I didn't have to be dialed into the Giants until Sunday Night Football. On the right. other side of that is everyone got to – the entire nation watched us just shit, shit the bed. Yes. Uh, I, 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 uh, This is my second year doing Red Zone, and I really, really enjoyed it. Like, And I think they, they improved it. Where they did less like two and three boxes, which I'm not the biggest fan of, where they just kind of like switched from game to game. So I thought Red, red Zone was pretty – pretty uh good week one so that is um my instant cup of coffee scott hansen constantly doing that ladies and gentlemen we have reached the witching hour oh yeah yeah it was good so i'm on i'm on the couch dialed in for those eight hours yeah and then then when the giants are on it's at the desk in front of the computer leaning forward biting your nails for every single play yeah we'll get to that momentarily but let's start with the game that will conclude week one it's a real good one it's the bills it's the Jets from New Jersey. Aaron Rodgers making his regular season debut in something other than Green Bay Green. Are you buying into all the hype or not? You know, I wasn't, Rose, until I started really getting ready for this and being like, you know what? Why wouldn't you buy into the Jets hype? Like, the only reason you want it is just because, like, well, it's the Jets, which is not analysis. It's just, like, going off history like you know the Mets with baseball it's like we know Aaron Rodgers is going to be at his best when he's motivated and we know he's kind of reinvigorated mm-hmm. you know the offensive line was worse but Mikai Becton is like a good offensive lineman when he's healthy they find they put him in the starting lineup you got Dwayne Brown who's a solid enough left tackle you have an elite guard and Elijah Vera Tucker the wide receiver core after Wilson is a little suspect I'm not the biggest Alan Lazard fan but you have Wilson and their defense is really good. And I think it's re- like ability to repeat being good because of pass rush. Pass rush is the most repeatable success on defense. They're number four in scoring, um, you know, seventh in sacks, number one in QB knockdown percentage, which indicates that they're going to get more sacks. And they did all this with the lowest blitz rate in the NFL last year. So mm. if Quinn and Williams, who's a top five defensive tackle, sauce is ascending. I the whole offseason, I kind of wasn't buying into the Jets hype until it's like, okay, it's here and they have a lot of talent. Now, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl or the AFC, but they're going to be a really good team, I think. So last year, um, we did a show with CJ Uzama and he was great. He's really a, a good character, fun, still has a good relationship with the company. They were seven and four. And I remember asking, like, how the fuck are you guys seven and four with a type of quarterback play? You guys have had. I mean, really, it was easily bottom three, if not like the worst in the league. And he he kind of laughed it off. He was like, listen, those guys are improving. You know, he gave us all the stuff where you can't. You have to play nice. You have to play nice in front of a microphone. And then they went on and proceeded to lose their final six games and they finished at seven and ten. 
And we all just said the same thing. Like, even if they get average quarterback play, they could be fighting for a wild card spot because there is a lot of talent. They had the offensive rookie of the year. They had the defensive rookie of the year. And as you mentioned, a ton of chess pieces on the defensive side of the football. So now you add in Aaron Rodgers, who I think actually did not play great last year. I thought he was okay. Yeah, he had a bad year, but it's like we all, we don't I don't I don't I don't expect him to be as bad as he was last year. I don't either. I don't either. And it, actually, I think if you break down his number of interceptions last year, which you know he never throws interceptions, a bunch of them went off receivers' hands. Now that's going to continue to happen. It happens. You can go ask Patrick Mahomes about that from Thursday night. Um, but I think he's going to play well enough to keep this team in the division race. Now I do want to get back to something you said about the history. I do think that for whatever reason, Jets fans are walking around town. You can tell me if I'm wrong and puffing out their chest because they feel oh, like yeah. they're the baddest MFers around. Let's keep in mind, this is a team that a has won one Super Bowl and it was 55 years ago. And it's not like they have constantly fought to be in the AFC championship. They were in one in the early eighties. They were in one in the late nineties and they were in back to back ones with Mark Sanchez and Rex Ryan's foot. So let's not pretend that you have this great history. Yeah, it's – but uh, here's the thing is where I could see them as, as good as Aaron Rodgers is, they might be at a – they're going to be at a QB disadvantage in the AFC a lot. Like, you have mm-hmm. Mahomes. Like, and that's the thing with this Buffalo game because I – when we did our pick'em show on Talking Giants last week, I picked Buffalo. Mm. And I was like, Josh Allen's – like, the Bills are, are really – they were a Super Bowl favorite going into last season, and they've been kind of the quiet team of the NFL that's still there and has question marks. So, it's it's like – what is what is a success for the Jets? Because it is Super Bowl or bust, but at the same time, like compared to what they've been and what they would be without Aaron Rodgers, like it's I think it will be a success because they'll end up being in the playoffs. Well, the last time they were in the playoffs, I think it was 2010. That's the longest playoff drought going in the NFL these days. So you're right. It just has to be measured. But because it's New York, because it's Aaron Rodgers, everything gets inflated. It'll be fun. I'll be glued to the set tonight. Bills and Jets wrapping up Monday Night Football Week 1. Uh, game of the day on Sunday, unquestionably the one out at SoFi Stadium. Dolphins hang on to beat the Chargers 36-34, two of three for 466 and three touchdowns. Tyreek with 215 yards, second most ever in Week 1. Now, of course, we know the offseason. Tua watched a pair of his 2020 fellow first-round quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert, inked $260 million-plus extensions while he's sitting here getting his fifth-year option picked up. For you, when it comes to Tua, is it a question of just him staying healthy or his ability to lead a franchise? I mean, I think he's got a floor of a solid quarterback, but he—he he, it wasn't just like Mike McDaniels. What he does is truly amazing. Like, there's some things they did yesterday that were, were brilliant, and then you have the wide receiver combo of, of Hill and Waddle, who, Maybe not the best wide receiver duo of all time, but it's one of the more unique and great ones of all times with the speed those two guys put on the field. Um, but so there was plays where it's like, hey, it's the scheme and the wide receivers are making plays, but Tua also made big plays. Like there was three minutes, three and a half minutes left, third and ten. Tua steps up in the pocket and drops a fifty-yard bomb on like a dime on Tyreek Hill. You know, there was other plays where he was creating in the pocket and getting the ball downfield. You know, and also like avoiding like Taron Armstrong's one of the better left tackles in the NFL did not play. It's a bad Dolphins offensive line, zero sacks and two QB hits. So, Tua like 
Dolphins fans lose their mind. Like he's not as good as like Justin Herbert or stuff. But I I never want to penalize a quarterback for being in a good system and operating that system very successfully, even though if they're not in like the top five quarterback range. Like Tua's doing his job and he's doing it well. It's just about sustaining it throughout a year and not letting teams figure out what they do, kind of like the Chargers figured out what they did last year. Okay. So I will give you the quarterback draft. We will line up the 32 starters from week one. When does Tua get drafted in the franchise quarterback draft? I don't... uh, It's got to be... like tenth or so. Well, that's what that's that's what I'm saying. Is he top? 10? Which sounds like a which sounds like a diss after he just threw for 466 yards. It's not. But it's not. That's not a diss. I mean, for just this year, where you know, do you want him over Aaron Rodgers? No. No. Okay. We know you don't want him over Burrow or Herbert, right? We know. Do you want him over Dak? I, maybe I'd have to see it in a playoff game. Maybe, maybe, yeah, po- possibly, yeah, yeah. Right? Do you want him over Kirk Cousins? You want him over Geno Smith? You want him over Brock Purdy? Yeah, it's kind of crazy when you when right, you put, right? When you put it all together. Um, so I mean, I definitely want him over Purdy. Who Purdy's Purdy's kind of in a similar situation where he's operating a system and he's doing it well. You shouldn't penalize a guy for that. I, um, so Bobby, here's the point. When you're talking about a franchise quarterback, I think it's a lot like aces in baseball. Not every team has an ace. Just because you're the best starting pitcher in a rotation, that doesn't make you automatically an ace. Just because you're the starting quarterback of a team doesn't mean you're automatically a franchise quarterback. These are seriously serious big boy dollars you have to pay, guys. And it's eating up a substantial amount of your salary cap. That's why we had three first-round quarterbacks starting yesterday as rookies because Frank Reich admitted you've got to start their learning curve today while they're on their rookie deal or you're screwed. And so with Tua, he feels like the guy that is good enough, but, and that's a tough way to go. I I still think you pay him. Obviously not at the percentage of cap that the top guys get, but like I didn't, like when, uh, when, the Giants were doing the Daniel Jones deal and stuff. Like I went and researched like quarterback. I also I don't pay pay good quarterbacks, which Tua is, mm-hmm. and it doesn't hamstring you from upgrading down the line. Like I we look like the five probably like top young quarterbacks in the NFL that people look at are Allen, Burrow, um, Lamar, Herbert, and um, what's who's the f- there's a fifth one that I'm missing. Burrow, Herbert, oh, and uh, Allen, yeah, and. All those teams had were paying quarterbacks the year that they ended up drafting those those guys. Like all of them, you know. Obviously, the most famous one being Alex Smith with Mahomes. Right. Um, so all all those teams were paying quarterbacks. Um, so I like you keep him around. Like I mean, he's and he's playing what like they'll they'll win playoff games with this, and they almost beat the Bills last year in the playoffs without two without in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and and with that, I want to give some praise to Mike McDaniel. The stuff that he does, man, is truly like genius type stuff. Like we joke about like the way he looks and talks, but it's it's true. Tua went 10 for 28 with two interceptions versus the Chargers last year. The Chargers figured them out. And uh, my friend Sean Syed, who does a lot of film stuff, he broke it down. There was like this long motion that the Chiefs would do or the Dolphins would do to kind of flood the zones and get into what they did. 
And the Chargers did a great job rotating to that. Th- this week, they kept that motion very short, where they did not give away pre-snap and let the defense adjust. And that led to Tyreek Hill not having coverages rotated to him with inside leverage and having over 200 yards. You know, they were putting the fullback on the field and getting them in heavier packages and creating explosive plays out of that. You know, you had Durham Smythe, Braxton Berrios, River Craycraft. Anyone ever heard of him? Oh, the yeah. But I, love, I love River Craycraft. I love saying his name in highlights. They had 11 catches for 160 yards. Like I mentioned, like not, ha- you know, zero sacks and two hits without your, you know, your best offensive lineman who's your left tackle and Taron Armstead. The stuff Mike McDaniel was able to do and go back and watch what they happened versus the Chargers last year, where they got figured out it was to his worst game. And to do this, where he threw for 466 yards, it's, it's true brilliance as a coach. Put a period on this. I would say pay Tua, but I'm paying him at my price, not at his. I just want to make sure that he's coming down a little. A little bit right right yeah it's just you know, yeah i agree you don't pay him at the top but you pay him, pay him that middling yeah range that but the Tanner gonna, hills the daniel jones and, and stuff because of his health you bite hard on this one and you just pray that's what you do yeah all right question three sorry man we got to talk about it sunday night 40 to nothing cowboys all over your giants biggest shutout win in dallas cowboys history did you learn more about the cowboys in a good way or your giants in a bad one I want to hear your opinion on this game. My okay. biggest takeaway is that Evan Neal, the seventh overall pick last year, is bad. He was the biggest question mark going yeah. into this year. He was the biggest like like swing position, and he was awful. He was the worst tackle in NFL this week. Our right guard was god awful too. Have you watch it games every single week? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen a pass rush just dominate like that? Where yeah. it was, I mean, it was no, there was no shot. There was no, I mean, the pass rush won every, essentially every single play. It's why I couldn't believe that Daniel Jones was still in the game as late as he was. With all that, and we're going to talk about this with our next question. Week one is, I don't think you can take it and throw it out because it's one of 17 for you. But man, week one's so weird because what a, when else during the year do you have five months to game plan for your opponent? You just don't. So you are going to, nitpick everything here but Dallas's defense man and we talked a lot it a little bit on Friday that if they get decent play out of Dak this team could move and join Philadelphia and San Francisco as kind of that third team in the NFC oh, I, I really firmly believe that Rose they had three edge rushers who were top six in the NFL and pass rush win rate those guys were not named Micah Parsons or Demarcus Lawrence, and they lined up Micah Parsons on the interior and stuff. I mean, it was it was truly just the biggest ass kick, and I've seen some ass kickings of offensive lines as a Giants fan. It was nuts. Like, and uh, a Giants fan posted this today, and I went and looked at it. And it was nuts. So remember the Eli NFC Championship game versus the 49ers? You just got demolished in that game. Yep. Six sacks, twelve QB hits. That was on 65 pass plays. Daniel Jones got more sacks and QB hits on that on 30 less plays. Like, just to show what kind of an ass-kicking that was. And Daniel Jones didn't help. Like, that second interception was Boy. was was awful, um, was, miss, was inaccurate. Obviously, the rain maybe plays a little bit. But I had just – where it's like, you want to come away from that game and talk about this element, this element, but it really was just the offensive line got their ass kicked down in, down out, and they could not protect at all. Listen, I've worked in the media for a long time, and particularly in the NFL for the last 20-plus years. Uh, there's This is not going to come as a complete shock at all. But 
sports television media executives love it when you mention Dallas Cowboys because people go, oh, we got to talk about the Cowboys always. And there's a lot of time where the Cowboys get force fed down your throat as a fan. And you'll listen because you either love them or you hate them. And so that's why, right? Because they're so polarizing. I really believe this is a year where you can legitimately talk about the Dallas Cowboys nearly every week and it will feel warranted and not forced. I think that's the biggest compliment I could pay them. Yeah, I mean, that defense is unreal. And the offense, like the offense didn't need to do much, but I mean, they scored 24 points on five drives through three quarters. The right. fourth quarter doesn't doesn't really matter. Uh, you know, we're, had, we're able to execute on third down. I mean, that defense, that pass, I mean, they had 70 sacks last year. 70 sacks last year. They had seven today. They're on pace for what, 170 or something? I think they, didn't they um, have mid- Dallas, uh, Philly had 70 last year. They oh, were did, yeah, Philly had but 70. Dallas, Dallas I had... think Dallas was third. It was Kansas City that had like 55, and Dallas was right there with them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Philly, Philly's the one that had 70. But still, yeah. that pass rush is lethal. Lethal. Yeah. Stephon Gilmore. And like, it was, it, it was just Ruth. It was like you, even that first drive when the Giants were moving the ball, like they were able to run the ball a little bit. Daniel Jones had three rushes for like 35 yards or whatever, or 30 yards. Like, oh, that's cool. But all of the rushes were because he was being pressured as soon as he dropped back and was scrambling. And you just, you can't live like, I mean, if, if you're a Cowboys fan or a Giants fan, you go back to the games last year. Was Daniel Jones pressured like crazy? Absolutely. But it still right. felt like nothing, nothing close to what we saw last night. Dak has won 11 straight games against his division rival now. And by the way, you talk about the hype train next Sunday, Dallas's home opener against Aaron Rodgers and the New York Jets. I have a feeling we will be discussing that on Friday's show. Giants right, have been outscored 78-7 to seven in the last two games. That's not fun. I, I know, but here's here's your um your get-well card. You guys are at Arizona next week. Okay? Yeah. There you but go. But that was yeah. such an ass-whipping that now it's like we can't just beat Arizona. We have to beat the brakes off of Arizona to feel any no. type of like. What happiness. are you worried about? These aren't college rankings. You just have to get back to 500. You'll be fine. That game broke me. That game broke. That was a, that... Let's pick it up a little bit. You'll be, you'll be, you'll be good. I mentioned that week one, to me, it's like its own planet in the football solar system, right? Because as I mentioned, you have five months to plan for your opponent. We always see some weird shit. Like rewind the clock to the beginning of 2022. The Bears beat the Niners in that rain, mud-soaked game, and then the Bears won two more games the rest of the year, and the Niners went on the NFC Championship. So, give me one thing. Something that was surprising from this weekend, good or bad, that you saw in a week. Well, it actually continues. Two things. One day back that I had. What are the bad? Um, give me my bad news, Doc. You mentioned the Bears. Justin Fields. It did not look good yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um. He he had five like he was not throwing the ball down the field really I mean and I, just put it in third down I don't want to get too like stat crazy but just put it on third down they were one for ten conversions with the ball in Fields hands the only conversion was uh, a ten yard scramble by Justin Fields he was two for four with eleven yards two sacks an interception he looked really bad and it wasn't because he's being aggressive and taking chances like it was just bad the interception was unbelievable and i also don't think this coaching staff is helping him too like they're not giving him like play action opportunities or not moving him outside the pocket so it's like you have justin fields issues that he needs to grow through with the talent that he has but it's like the coaching staff isn't helping with it and he looked that bad like you think 
Oh, very conservative. At least I have a high completion percentage. Like the positive on my, I'm going to talk about kind of fits in that. He had the second lowest average depth of target, but his completion percentage was 64%, where it's like the lowest and then the third lowest, their completion percentage were 83 and 79. So they just, he didn't look comfortable operating that offense. And I don't think that offense get, does him much favors either. You got anything good for me? I think the Falcons are going to win the division. Whoa, hold on. You can't just slide that in there. That's big news. Is it, though? The NFC South looks really bad. No, it's, <laughs> like the it Panthers. stinks. Like, there was really only two teams. It's the Falcons and it's the Saints. And the Saints-Titans game was so oh. Like, Ryan Tannehill's arm is shot. Like, he, he's, like it was very bad. I couldn't – like, I, I kind of thought the Titans would be a little better this year, oh, and they were not bad. with the way Tannehill's arm looked. Dude, he completed less than half of his passes. You know how hard that is to do in the modern NFL? And the ball was just like fluttering out of his hand. It, it looked very, it looked very ugly. There was bad decisions. I just don't understand what happened to him because he was okay, never so this bad. Let's get to the good. You really think the Falcons are legit? Here's the thing. I think they should start Taylor Heineke. Oh, <gasps> wow! Like really? Desmond Ritter, Desmond Ritter, like completed like what eighty three percent of his passes, but. It was uh, so few yards. Like, Bobby, he threw for 115 yards. 115. It was, like the, it was like the second lowest yards with like an over 80% completion percentage ever. He had 10, he had 15 completions. Six were to Bijan, three were to the other running back, Tyler Algier, and then one was to himself, Desmond Ritter. Um Brent, Drake London had zero catches. Kyle Pitts only had two. Like I've watched a lot of Taylor Heineke as you know, being an NFC East fan. Right. I think he should like he can play a little ball. He's not okay. great, but I think he's kind of the perfect fit to come in there with those weapons and give those guys shots down the field. And then that running game is is legit. You know, I know Bijan Robinson fantasy owners are a little worried because Tyler Algier had two touchdowns and a lot of carries. Me. Me. Um, by the way, I almost took Bijan third, but the Algier element made me not, and I took Tyreek Hill. So I'm glad I glad oh I second guessed myself. Good work. Good work. Um and then defensively, like, I don't know if they're going to be a great defense, but Jesse Bates and his debut, two interceptions. Like, I think that, like, the Saints didn't inspire me at all. The Panthers are bad. And even though the Bucks won, like, I don't, I don't think anyone sees that as sustainable. Like, I think the Falcons are winning this division, but I hope they start Taylor Heineke. Okay. I like both those. I think those are fun. Those are fun. Okay. For me, Zay Flowers is already the best receiver on the Baltimore Ravens. And I know everybody's going to go up and on. Wait a second. Odell's there. Odell. It, folks, it's not close. You are living in the past. I loved watching Odell play. I really did. He he had two catches and three targets, I think. Zay Flowers. Now, granted, Mark Andrews was not a part of the equation. He was inactive yesterday. But Zay Flowers is just nasty, dude. I think he finished with. Nine catches? Yeah, on 10 targets, too. He had on 10 targets. Nobody else had more than three targets on his team. And I will make this statement. Put this one in the vault. He will become the most productive receiver in Ravens history. Now, that's not a great list. It's not. It's like saying you're the best-looking person at the Jenny Craig convention. It doesn't – I mean, it's like, whatever. Not Not awesome. So – I had to do a little digging on this because I started thinking about it. They haven't had that many. Who do you think is the Ravens' all-time leading receiver in just catches? Okay, so I went to go look it up, so I'm not going to look it up. It's – how long did 
How long did Anquan Bolden play there? Okay, so he is in the top 10, I believe. He might be like late top 10 or 11 or something like that. It wasn't the, Terrell the guy, Owens in his two days with, with the Baltimore Ravens. Never forget. This is, is it, amazing. Um, I'll give you one more guess. Go for it. There's someone I'm going to re- forget from yeah. like the early 2000s. You're 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 going to kick yourself because he was a he was a good player. He didn't start there. Yeah, I don't know who who Derek Mason. Ah, Derek Mason. Yeah, he had some good years for them. 471 catches, which is not a lot. It's not a lot. So Dave Flowers is going to end up getting that. But there's only six receivers in their top 10. They've got three tight ends that are in it and one running back. The other receivers in their top 10 in terms of catches, Mark Clayton, Torrey Smith, Travis Taylor, Torrey Smith. Steve Smith, who was only there three years. Those were good three And years. Hollywood Brown, who was only there three years. That's uh-huh. kind. That's, inc- that's insane. Zay, but Zay Flowers did look really good, man. He was like getting yak. And I think he might end up looking better than he did at Boston College because the offense was so broken at Boston College. Um, he was a very fun receiver to watch coming out of the draft. It was like this was, because he's short. Everyone's like, "Oh, he's a slot receiver." No, 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 no. Like he's able to play on the outside, get open down the field. I really like Zay Flowers. I want I wanted him on the Giants, and he looked really good. Yeah, I'll be curious to see how much his role changes once Andrews comes back because he's such a security blanket for Lamar. But I think he's a fun watch unless you're like like me and a fan of an AFC North team. What did you think of Lamar yesterday? Because I it was, I thought he was reckless, like on a handful yeah. of plays. Like the fumbles, the how, interception was like. That's how he I plays, man. Yeah, that's how but, he plays. I've, but I've watched full games of him and I've never seen him play that reckless. It was just like very, very weird. Like they, even though they won, they got some stuff to figure out too. And by the way, we had a Scorgami in that one 25 to 9. First one. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right, last thing before we get out of here. Fun week. You were talking about the soon-to-be division champion Atlanta Falcons. I saw this video from their their mascot. I don't even know what his name is, Bird Brain or whatever it is. But he was repelling from the ceiling, and he goes all the way down. Now, I'm curious, Bobby, I don't know if you're one of these adventure kings out there, but would you... If they were like, hey, Bobby, we want you in a uh, Falcon costume to repel from the ceiling. Or, yay or nay? Are you doing this? Yes, because I've done it before. In, in Kissimmee, Florida, they have this thing where they take you 100 yards up. I don't know how how many yards that was up, but it's a, it's 100 yards up. You're facing straight down, and they just drop you, and you and then you swing back and forth. So I've done – I think my mom might have the video. I was like probably my – when I was like 17 or 18, we went as a family and and I did that. And was there any point where you were like, what the fuck am I doing? A little, but I'm also a thrill seeker. Oh, and I'm also like stubborn where even if I'm scared, I'm like, don't you can't be a pussy. I'm like you're already here. So, you, you, I can, you know, even if so, I'm like deathly afraid of something, I'll push through just just to just to do it. Yeah. So I showed this video to my good friend and one of our um producers alex maloney at nfl network and i said would, he's like i definitely do that because the only problem i would have is putting on the mascot uniform like well that's the one problem i wouldn't have i would i i'm afraid of heights so i can't do this i cannot do this so it's not happening we got to get you okay. down to florida kissimmee florida and we'll, we'll we can be it could be like a football today like bonding experience <laughs> just my luck they will not have checked that little rope and Given it if the they, if they ever bring the Pro Bowl back to Orlando, we'll do that. We're, we're in. We're in. 
Hey, this is good stuff. Um, got a winner for tonight. You, you've got Buffalo. I picked Buffalo, but talking about the Jets almost has me wanting to pick the Jets. But I'll stick Fired with up. Buffalo. I think they're still a really good team, and I I think they're going to come back with a vengeance after disappointing last year. Uh, I like storylines, so I'll pick the Jets just because I want to see the Jets and Cowboys go at it both undefeated next week so that the football world can spontaneously combust. So I think that'll be it. Uh, we are back at it again on Friday. Uh, thanks once again to our awesome producer, producer Mikey out there. For Bobby Skinner of Talking Giants, I am Chris Rose. We will see you next time here on Football Today. Hey, everybody, it's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.